This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And today we are thrilled to be joined by Katrina, who I'm just going to go ahead and say, friend of the show, hopefully by the end of this, um, (laughs) who has been involved in the AI world, the world of artificial intelligence as both a user and professionally for a while now. Thank you so much for joining us, Katrina. Thank you for having me. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, I can. So my name is Katrina Slepsoff. Um, I, like Annie has said, I've been in the AI art world for, well, not forever, but like <laughs> considering how quickly the AI art world has kind of popped up, I would say I've been there for like a good chunk now. <laughs> I have been working with Midjourney um, in the volunteer sense since the beginning of July. Um, And I started working with them as a community liaison, I think I'm saying that right, uh, since September. They're not my only job. I also work in the creative industry. I have for about six years now, maybe seven. For my day job, I am a senior designer. I work in a democratic slash left-leaning political agency. We do a lot of work for... um, campaigns, political campaigns for nonprofits, um, for some super PACs and whatnot. Um, And we just got out of the 2022 election cycle, which was intense and fun. Yeah. And I've also like in the past, I've worked with a ton of big brands like Amazon Alexa, a bunch of brands that are P&G and also in an immersive space of spaces, actually, weirdly. So yeah, so I've kind of been all over the place, but it's really fun. So yeah. Yeah, uh, you sent us kind of a like breakdown of all the stuff you've done, and it's quite a bit, quite a bit. Um, <laughs> we did want to put a disclaimer in here because you're here speaking as an individual and not for any particular company. Yes, and also we, Samantha and I, have an episode on artificial intelligence coming out. Keep an ear out for that because there is a lot to talk about. But um, for people, uh, Katrina, who do not know... Uh, what we're talking about. Can you explain it? Like it, it can be the the barest uh, explanation, but can you give us kind of a working definition? The way that I always explain it to people, uh, you know, when I'm talking to them in real life and they have no idea what it is, I just always say in the simplest way, you just put in words and outcomes pretty art. It's <laughs> like really what it is at its simplest you know, like it's, it's, it's at its foundation, you just put in, just put in words. Right. So I know because uh, when we're talking about AI, specifically with you, we are talking about the prompts and, uh, well, 
I would have thought of AI a long time ago, which is the artificial intelligence that we are like, it's going to take over the world. It's robots and it's going to take our personality, <laughs> which is always a sci-fi moment. But here we're talking with you specifically about the art world, such as you're talking about Midjourney. And I know Dolly was one of the first ones that I'd ever heard of uh, coming out, which has some really interesting and fascinating background. And even though it feels like to me as a newbie, it's really just, it's come at us fast. But I know it's been around, but to this point that it is growing in leaps and bounds. Um, and you talked about how you got involved. You went from volunteer to now you're actually a part of that community for real. How did you get into this type of AI? You know, it's really funny that you say that. Yeah, it has actually been around before Dolly and Midjourney. Mm-hmm. I'd say like in the capacity that we know Midjourney as, like there have been private versions of that with like Google's Imogen and uh, NVIDIA has like their own version of that. And they've had it for a couple of years now, I think. So this is actually like the first time that regular people have had access to um, these services. And before I ever knew about Midjourney, I was experimenting with another service, which I cannot remember the name of. It was like Play, Play Something. And that used AI, but you had to input your own images for it. And it was um, a lot more basic and not as cool looking (laughs) as Midjourney, right? But I I had a lot of fun just like putting in my own art with that stuff. And um, I I actually do a lot of experimental video work, uh, just, just weird glitchy stuff. And I've been doing that for many years now. And so I have gained quite a few friends within that world. And so um, one day, one of my friends messages me on Instagram and they're like, yo, you need to check out Midjourney. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) What is that? (laughs) And that was when you still needed an invite to get in. I, it was really hard because people are always begging for invites and stuff. And I didn't really know anybody that could give me one. So all I did was just post on my Instagram story, like, hey, Anybody got one of those? And by the end of the day, I was in because I just already knew a lot of people, you know, in the art world that were already using it. So that's how I got into Midjourney. There are still only like 40,000 people. We just actually, we the Discord just hit 10 million people about an hour yeah, ago. That is incredible. Yes. <laughs> Um, we were all celebrating. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, and I remember it's so funny too, because I remember when I got in at 40K, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, man, I could have been here when it was smaller. And uh, look at us now. You know? I was going to say, you're still a trendsetter. <laughs> in terms of how I like became a guide, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think the, the story of how that happened is actually kind of funny. <laughs> Because they, they just started like a new feedback channel at the time. Um, and they didn't have any slow mode or any restrictions people posting in there. And one night, and it was it was so empty, right? Like there was like not as many people that were there as there are now. And so one night, this one guy just goes on a long ramble. And I'm like, I was, it was like pages just worth of like not, this wasn't even feedback. <laughs> eventually I was like, yo, dude, go somewhere else with that. (laughs) And the next day I woke up to one of the developers being like, yo, you want to be a guide? And I was like, oh, (laughs) I thought I was going to get in trouble for that, but okay. (laughs) I like it. You spoke your mind. Yeah, and I remember it was early July because it was the very next day uh, I had off for July 4th and I was uh, manning the support channels and stuff. And yeah, and it's just been all up from that since then. That's cool. Yeah. Um, For people who don't know, can you kind of describe what being a guide is? Yeah. So there are actually two tiers of volunteers that help run the Discord. Now, when I say to volunteers, um, there are benefits to working as a guide or moderator, but we don't really talk about them much because we have a very specific recruitment process where it's like, we don't want people trying to become a guide or a mod for the wrong reasons. And it's worked really well so far. We have a really great group of people, but basically you have the guides and you have the moderators. They're both kind of the same group. The guides are meant more as like 
uh, people to like help and support channels. We have, but we also like have guides that work in other capacities too. Um, we have like a good group of people that work in our um, prompt chat channel, which is basically like people helping other people with like getting the images they want, get, you know, getting the prompt right so they can get the results they want. Um, I could list more examples. Um, the moderators, on the other hand, they have a couple more abilities. Um, they can ban people. Um, they can get rid of images. Uh, <laughs> those are the big ones. Um, we can mm -hmm. ban words and phrases in the prompts, which we can talk about later if you want. And a couple other things, but those are the big main ones. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I would really be curious about how the conversation that goes into how do you ban something? How do you decide what gets banned? Because there is there is a lot of conversation and there are some lawsuits right now around artificial intelligence and it's just a lot of conversation happening. And um, because we're an intersectional feminist show, we're really interested in in how artificial intelligence interacts with and impacts marginalized communities. And you've been... Yeah, involved in in moderating and guiding um, artificial intelligence communities, AI communities, and setting standards and training others on them. So, yeah, we'd like to break that down a little bit more. Um, starting with like, why do you think it's important to bring an intersectional feminist perspective to things like this? I think it's very important. And also, I just realized I didn't hit on that I also run the Facebook group for Midjourney. And I also run, uh, well, I'm one of the main mods that um, helps run the subreddit. Um, so that's what you were hitting on when you said, like, I set the moderation standards. I'm the one that's, I'm actually one of two, what we call, what we're calling super mods, um, who we basically have access to internal communications with the team. And so we do a lot of like back and forth there, um, but also like we are kind of like the managers slash bosses of the rest of the mods. So even though they do a lot of work and a lot of decision making on their own, like me and one other person are basically like the last, like if we say you can't, you got to do this, you got to do it. Like we're, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, that's some more context there for like where I'm where I'm at with the other mods. Um, in terms of having like the intersectional part, I think it's super important. We have a really really good group of mods and guides that are super diverse because if you, if you, once you realize like we're doing this on a global scale, 
So there are a lot of different cultures and communities that are basically coming in and forming one, right? And so there's going to be different standards of like what's okay and what's not okay in a lot of different places. Um, and I, what I really love about Midjourney and our moderation team is we have always made decisions in the sense of like we are always trying to put real people and the community first. So we think it's more important um, to reduce harm to real people than it is to let other people make art that could be harmful to them, right? So <laughs> I'll give you one example. My very first word that I got banned on my very first day as a moderator, I'm not going to say the word because it is a slur to a large group of people, but it starts with G and it describes people of Romani descent. Um, a lot of people in the U.S., don't know that that's a very harmful word. I kind of I kind of knew a little bit, but I actually I didn't realize the full extent of it. And somebody had brought it up to me and I was still a guide at this point. And so I had brought it up to the moderators and I actually talked to a team member, a dev team member about it for a little while. And we were going back and forth. I was like, "Look, most people in the USA don't know that this is bad. They 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 use it innocently, even, you know, even if the term itself isn't innocent, you know, they don't know. But on the mm -hmm. other hand, this term was literally used like to create genocide. <laughs> it's violent, <laughs> you know? So maybe we shouldn't allow people to use that because it's really hurtful and harmful to the very real alive people today, you know, to see that term getting used. And actually, um, people get really upset about it. They're like, seriously, like you're, you're, you're banning that you're censoring that. And we're just like, yeah, <laughs> find other words, <laughs> you know, um, right. another really good example actually came up, uh, recently. It's been brought up a couple of times, but, um, somebody in our feedback channel, um, was pretty upset, understandably so I think, um, because the term down syndrome is banned. And when we banned that, we actually, we went back and forth on it because we, we do not like banning things that are identities. Um, you, you know, we don't like banning things that are real people unless it's like very obviously, you know, a hurtful way to, to refer to real people. Down syndrome isn't a hurtful way to refer to, refer to people. However, 99.9% .9 of people who were using that term were using it in a really bad way and in a really hurtful way. And so it got to the point where we were, we were just so flooded with that, that it, it started to become unmanageable um, in, in moderating it. And so we just went ahead and just banned the whole term. And it's, it is upsetting, I think, because, you know, it's like the fact that people are misusing certain phrases, certain words in a way that is harmful or crappy enough, you know, it's that we have to like ban it. Like that sucks. <laughs> um, and we have like, you know, people get upset about it. Like we, we have suggestions like use this word instead or use that instead. Uh, the, the guy in feedback, for example, he was like, oh, my wife works with Down syndrome children and like wants to be able to create with this. And so we're like, okay, use, I'm going to say this wrong. It's like trisomy or tri try something 21. It's like the specific um, mutation or something like that. That will create what you want. But anybody who's trying to create imagery about Down syndrome people in a bad way isn't going to know that. Or they're not going to take the time to try and figure that out, you know? So a lot of our decisions, you know, it's really just trying to balance between all the people who are abusing a term and, you know, the rest of everyone else, like uh, trying to give people the most freedom to, to create things that um, are important. Right. Yeah. And that's absolutely a big conversation about um, ableism and what is seen as uh, how disability is seen in general. And, and I know many uh, disabled 
activists would say disability is not a negative thing. So saying it is, I mean, that is a complicated issue because you do have the bad players who come in to do something as obvious, uh, evil or bad intent. So that's an interesting perspective to have to look at. You know, and on top of this, um, one of the things I find interesting with all of the AI conversations, and this includes uh, ChatGPT, I know it's getting bigger and bigger, and there's so much conversation about the information that is being fed into AI and what happens and and what the biases are and what's even available. And it's pretty interesting because I know for a chunk of content, let's say for when people are talking about specific imagery of women, a lot of it comes from an incel kind of group of men who think this is the perfect woman. And for some reason, that overtakes an image. So you may not want this. Like, I think I've seen a few where I've seen files where it just says women. And I, I like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, women are creating this. That's what this is. But it turns out these are men creating what they think is a beautiful woman. And you're like, oh my God, what is this? Is this the way? And there's nothing wrong with porn, but is this one more way of those bad players that we talk about to have another misogynist hold on something that is so new. So with all that, when it comes to women and other marginalized communities, do you have a concern about that in the AI world? Or what do you see as it's coming out and it's so brand new? Yeah. So the first thing I want to say about that, I think the next sentence applies to many subjects within the AI world, not just this one. But what I will say is AI art isn't necessarily creating problems as much as it's highlighting the issues that have been issues both within the art world and within society that have been issues for a long time. And it's really just like highlighting a lot of those problems. <laughs> yeah. Let's take a step back. And I want to explain it this way because I think it's really it's really important to understand this part of it, which is that actually when it comes to AI art, it's everything's bias. Everything is. So let's say you feed in um, a bunch of pictures of apples, right? And let's say all of those apples, they're they're round, they're nice, they're pretty. Um, They're also like all mainly green. They're all mainly green apples, right? The more images of green apples you put in there, you may have a couple pictures of red apples, but the more pictures of green apples that you put in there that when you put into a, a service like Midjourney or any other text-to-image uh, service, you put in the word apple, it'll, put, it'll give you a green apple. But we as humans don't care about that, right? That's, a, that's not something that we think of, oh, you know, Midjourney's biased to make green apples only, blah, blah. But we notice it when it comes to other more important things like if you put in doctor and it comes out with only men, or if you put in woman and it comes out with a pretty white, young female, (laughs) you know? I know the reason that happens is because society in general is just already so biased. And I can talk on this as a designer, you know, when I was working, I I worked for Clorox. I I did some work for Clorox and I was very specifically like, I'm going to put some men cleaning imagery in here because men can clean too. And Clorox came back and went, nope, you need to put women. And even like their whole style guide, whenever they talked about their consumer, it was always she. And it made Mm. me so upset. (laughs) You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, like, you know, there, there are biases. Everything that any AI image generator makes is biased, right? Mm -hmm. But not biased in the sense of like how you and I understand it, because the way that a computer understands bias is going to be a lot different than a human. To fix that, it needs to be actively combated. But that is really, really, really hard because you're talking about images being fed in on like a million scale, maybe even billions. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not sure of the amount, but it's a really, really hard problem to solve because, you know, there are so many different ways these biases can present itself. Um, mm-hmm. And you also have the fact of, like, the users who are making these images themselves, 
you know, when you're talking about like men making these images and you're like, oh, cool. Like, you know, it's very different to me, for example, when like a woman makes bikini images versus a straight man. Mm-hmm. It feels different, right? The thing is, you can't really moderate or verify intent either is the, is the hard part. And that's why, um, and, and it's, it's such a hard line to balance because, you know, we do moderate female bodies um, and that can feel really bad to some women too. Um, but mm-hmm. it can also similar, similarly feel just as bad to, you know, go on the top of the community feed and you just see a bunch of like young, pretty hot, you know, fake woman. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And that actually happened, by the way. I, uh, months and months ago, I, uh, after like a week or two or a couple weeks of this happening, I finally went into um, the correct channels on Discord and was like, hey guys, um, have any of you noticed that there's just like a bunch of you know, pretty woman with like lots of cleavage and (laughs) (laughs) they're always busty. I'm like, wow, redheaded and busty is what I've seen. (laughs) It's uncomfortable. It's, it was real and it still is really uncomfortable. And it, it got to the point where it was like, it was starting to make me feel bad. You know, I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, this is really reminding me that my worth as a person is like just based on how pretty I am and like how fuckable I am. <laughs> and it's, you know, I, the, what I will say is that when I did bring that up and I had that conversation, the response was immediate and it was overwhelming. It was like, I'm so glad you said this. Like we've been talking, this is before I was um, in internal channels, by the way. But at, the response even from the team was like, we've been talking about this for like the past couple of weeks. Like it bothers us too. We've noticed, thank you for bringing it up. We want to try and fix this. And then um, every week there's an office hours, um, which means that David, the founder, he goes on to the Discord um, voice chat stage for hours each week. And um, Mm -hmm. people in the community ask him questions and talk about certain topics, blah, blah. And the next two weeks was literally just like bringing this issue to the community. And we did this thing where we just like brought up as many women as possible to the stage and just had like a huge conversation between like all different kinds of women. Like, how do you feel about this? Like, is this okay? Is this not okay? Like, how should we handle the moderation here? You know, and so there's always been an effort to try and include real people who it affects in these conversations. And I've always really, really appreciated that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've always felt very safe bringing these issues up. um, And I've always felt very heard. A lot of what came out of that was um, we we did we do soft band stuff now, so like mm-hmm. you can still make you know imagery at a beach or whatever, <laughs> and um, you know if you if you start that doesn't mean our moderation around it has changed. Like if you're being weird about it, <laughs> um, we're still gonna go hey stop doing that. It's gross, but it it also allows you know people like you and me, you know, to maybe make stuff, you know, based on how we view our own selves um, without necessarily having to see it on the main feed, (laughs) you know? So it's not a perfect system. It really isn't, but it it works for what we need it to do, you know? It it stops a lot of bad stuff. And that's good to hear because I know it's a lot of conversation, because y'all have grown really quickly. We're specifically talking about mid-journey, but Dolly has been growing exponentially as well. Because I, I'm I'm wondering, and this may not be something that you can answer right off the bat, but like as many uh, people as you're coming in, how easily is it to moderate 10 million people who's, I guess that's just Discord. I'm, not, I'm guessing that's not the people who actually subscribe to mid-journey and use it, because um, I'm guessing not everyone comes onto the Discord. But like, how do you actually monitor 10 million people when you literally grew from, as you were saying, 40,000, 10, uh, 10 million in less than a year, is that correct? Like six months? So, but like in that that growth that quickly, how do you actually moderate? How do you actually try to um, keep those standards in line? Because I'm I'm guessing with that exponential growth, it would be hard to control the bad players that come in to uh, 
that type of space? Yeah, so we have a couple different systems set up. For all of the band words, phrases we have used, we we actually have um, different levels to them. So like if you Mm -hmm. use the N-word, that's like the worst level. You will get automatically timed out. We have like a whole channel where we can see what people are, like what band words, phrases they're using. We can see their entire prompt. So Mm. um, we have like specific things that if we see somebody using them or using specific words, instant ban. Goodbye. Like we don't want you as a part of our community, even if you're just like testing it, you know, like it's just, you know, even you just, it's just not worth it. It's not worth to have certain people in our community. Um, our moderators are really active, which is great. It, it's, it's kind of a mix. So we have like a mod queue on the website itself where people report, um, They'll report images through the site. It'll go to a feed that only the mods can see. Um, and we, you know, we can delete photos. We can even unpublish them, which means they're not actually deleted. Um, that's first. We do that. We do that very rarely. We do that for stuff that's like actually like not breaking rules, but it's maybe so uncomfortable. It really depends. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely. It's definitely grown a lot, but I will say 99% of our community is pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it sometimes seems very overwhelming, like how many bad people are using it for bad things, but it's actually not. Like if you compare like the actual amount of stuff for moderating versus the amount of people who are using it, it's like 1%. And usually the people who are who are doing bad stuff with it they're like only doing that. <laughs> and so once we clean that up, it's like we just got rid of like a big chunk, you know? But yeah, our moderator team is great. Um, they care very strongly about it. And we, mm-hmm. we ca- like the way we kind of see, or at least the way I see us is that like, we're, we have to like wade through a bunch of the sh- but to protect other people from having to do so, you know? Right, right. Which should be, which should be the case. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands. Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. (laughs) 
I'm very fascinated as this new medium has kind of come about, um, and not even talking about any of the controversy outside of, you know, the art world, into the art world, but within, because one of the things that we talk about, especially when we talk about new mediums, uh, new places to maybe be able to monetize, or not even monetize, but at least express yourself or do things uh, to create, um, when we see, because this is kind of a social media platform in its own right, obviously with the Discord and being able to publish, um, being being a community, how do you think companies like yours can, because you're at the cusp, you're at the beginning essentially, which we're, we're saying it's not new, but as the popularity is growing, you're at the beginning, can be an opening and welcoming space for women when oftentimes platforms like this or popular uh, platforms like this can be overrun by your patriarchal cis white men who want to capitalize? How does the platform, rather, uh, make sure that they are, or do you think they are, welcoming the marginalized communities like women and people of color? You know, I hope we are. (laughs) I have been approached by numerous people that have said, like, my presence, for example, because I'm very, I present very obviously as she, her, like I have it in my bio, my, uh, uh, my profile picture is like a pink eye, you know, it's, it's, but I've been approached by many people that said, oh, you know, your presence here has made me feel safer. And I, I know my fellow moderators. I know the fellow guides. They're all really good people. Um, and I think that's how, that's how we manage that is we have a really, really, really solid moderator team who we are not, af- we are not afraid to be like, stop it. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. are, we do not want that in our community. Get out of here. Um, I will say uh, we used to have a lot more of that nonsense. A lot of people get really upset that they can't do anything they want to do um, mm-hmm. or make any image they want to make, and they cry about censorship. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, they have migrated to other services. And I think I can speak for a lot of the other moderators, at least, that were. We're glad, <laughs> you know. It, if you want to go do that stuff, just don't don't do it. Don't do it where we have to deal with it, please. Not that I think it's okay, but <laughs> you know, I don't have control over the other spaces, but I have control over this space, and so I I feel very strongly. The moderators feel very strongly. Um, we and I've mentioned that one channel. We we have a similar channel so that we can keep an eye on like things happening within Discord, um, on Facebook. Which I mentioned, like I was the main admin of that. I launched it. I set the standards for it. I made decisions of how it was going to be ran, um, and I also created the the team for it. And one of the decisions that I made that ended up being such a good decision, I had to fight for it too. Um, but one of the decisions I made was um, in the Facebook group that everything has to have post approval, which means you can submit something. But then for it to actually get posted on the group, a moderator, a Facebook moderator has to approve it. And so there have been so many things that we've caught um, that just feel bad or, you know, aren't appropriate or not even related to mid-journey sometimes. Um, Fun side story, we had one guy try to post his entire camera roll on accident. It was like over a thousand (laughs) pictures. Wow. No. But you know, if we have to we have to stay vigilant and you know, we can't always catch everything. So I'm always trying to remind people like report it, report it, message me if you need to. If I don't answer right away because I'm sleeping, you know, go to another mod. Um, there are ways you can report through Facebook, there are ways you can report through the Reddit, there are ways you re- you can report through Discord, and there are ways you can report on our, our website. Um, and if it's like really bad, message us and we will get it right away. But yeah, it, it really, it, you know, we had to coordinate a lot because, you know, we had to find people that can do the night shifts, you know, and the USA people are asleep and it's, it's, it's a lot, but it, I, I think we all try really hard and we all really, really care a lot about creating like safe spaces, um, for people. Mm. So I hope, I really hope they feel safe. I really hope so. And if they don't, I hope that people feel like they can um, message me about it and I will try and help. Um, For anybody who's listening on Discord, I'm Fnuckle. It's F-N-U-C. 
C-K-L-E. And then I have in parentheses community I always say this word wrong, liaison. <laughs> it's a hard um, word. <laughs> my profile picture is a giant pink eye. Please message me um, and I will try and help as much as I can. I feel very strongly about it. I want mid-journey community to be safe and open to everyone. Well, that's awesome. I think that might be the, the answer to itself. And a lot of the platforms that don't actually look for the safety and and guidelines uh, for the safety of their users and allow for uh, misinformation. I know that's not the same thing for this, but like misinformation or harassment in general to run amok um, without any kind of checks and balances, it definitely doesn't make it unsafe for many of the users. So if you are like helping, which it sounds like, I love that, to make the safe uh, for marginalized people um, and, and queer communities. So that's awesome to hear because that is one of the things I think is missing in general when it comes to social media platforms or different types of mediums that can be for the public. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, um, as we're, tr- as we're trying to build my journey up and, and this is, this is more from the actual team itself. Um, but I know, and David talks about this all the time in the office hours, like he does not want to repeat the same mistakes as regular social media. And that's why you can't, for example, you can't see who follows you. You know, you can't, you can't see the amount of people who follow you because it, we, we just want to avoid like a lot of the uh, like likes validation kind of thing um, yeah. that happens. And it's still happening with the community feed right now. And we talk about it and talk about how we want to change it. So um, whenever that gets released, that will be really interesting and fun, I think. So I guess we should have said this at the top, but I didn't. Uh, We are not currently sponsored by anything we are mentioning, including Clorox, (laughs) which you really came for. Um, (laughs) I actually like that. Good job. I'm fine with it, but I'm just saying. Um, So uh, one of the things you brought up when we were first communicating about this um, was building community with women. And you've kind of been talking about that throughout, but I'm curious about that and also just in terms of users and people who work on it, what have you seen uh, demographically? So right now, uh, it's it's been acknowledged uh, in like office hours and whatnot, but there are less women that use Midjourney than we wish there was. And it's been really interesting because... I'll say this, our moderator and guide team um, is very diverse, very, very, very diverse. We have all ages. We have um, people who are neurodivergent, including me. Um, We have people who are parents, people who aren't parents, people, um, all ethnicities, religions, everything. But the one thing that I noticed a while ago was uh, after I was made moderator, I was like, I'm one of three outwardly she, her moderators, and I'm the only one who interacts with the community. Because the other one, one of the other ones, um, she was more in the Chinese community. And the the third one, um, she does a lot more behind the scenes work. Um, she, she just did, a, she actually just did our uh, new docs, if you ever want to look. Uh, it's really fancy, it's cute. Sorry, I had to say something because we just released it like yesterday and I'm like very proud of it. But the point is, like I was, I realized I'm the only female moderator that like people know. (laughs) Um, And so it was like the day before I was going on vacation, I was like, hey guys, um, I just realized this thing. And actually, I just realized also this is why so many she, hers reach out to me. Um, and not to other people because I'm the only obvious one that like gets it, you know, and that's really cool. But also, um, <laughs> you know, like women aren't a monolith. I don't want to speak for the, you know, all women everywhere. Um, cause I'm not, you know, my opinions are not going to be the same as everyone else's. I don't know what we can do about it, but like, this is the thing you should be aware of. And I went on vacation the next day. And when I got back. <laughs> I found that my counterpart, who I love, um, he and I have the same brain. He's great. Um, he's the other boss of mods that works alongside me. Um, he had added a, a 
bunch of new guides that were women. She, her coded. Um, and I was like, that's really, really nice because you just heard me and you just made the steps to solve this and like bring more women in um, all on your own without me having to do much more than be like, hey, this is a thing. So that was a thing. Um, and we're working on it. But yeah, because I'm one of the, because I was one of the only mods who was a woman, like I said, people would reach out to me. Um, and then I just ended up somehow accidentally just actually knowing a lot of women in the community. And I think that's been really interesting and really cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think what more can I say on that? Um, I just actually, I was just reached out to actually yesterday by somebody who has their own server for women and uh, uh, marginalized people in different communities, um, which I just joined today and I was like poking around. I was like, oh, this is so cool, you know? Um, but yeah, I definitely think there can be more done in that area to invite um, not just women, but just anybody who isn't a cis white man <laughs> and invite them into our space and just show them how cool AI and how empowering it can be too. Yeah, it seems really neat. You know, and I'm thinking about, because I we kind of I kind of alluded to it earlier about, you know, I do hear a lot about the controversy when it comes to the art world and uh, AI. And interestingly enough, you are in the art world specifically actually doing this as a job, as part of your creative uh, jobs, which is interesting in itself. And But you're also really, really adamant about the, uh, the benefits of AI. Um, both, how do you see that? Do you see that at all in conflicting? Um, because we are, we have, again, we're hearing a lot of controversy back and forth about, you know, is this going to disrupt uh, individual artists? Is this going to disrupt uh, the art world as we see it? Um, and then coming back to, you know, but you, do you use this as a part of your job as well? Like, how does that all encompass for you as an artist slash AI expert? <laughs> I'm going to say call you an AI <laughs> expert. You know, I think... That's one of the biggest things that I don't want to say hurtful, but it's kind of hurtful. This idea that it's AI versus artists, because I mean, I'm an artist. I work in the creative industry. A lot of my friends who are working in the creative industry for many years use AI. My friend who invited me to my journey is an artist. I don't think it conflicts at all. I, I it, maybe a little bit, but like not, not really. I know most people who I've talked to, and I say most, not all, but most people I've talked to who have been working in the creative industry, once they try it and really get a feel for it, they start to understand, oh, this is like really cool and really awesome. Um, I do use it. I use it as a tool. It's really great for brainstorming. It's really great for trying to figure out like interesting new ways to take a concept. You know, I have this thing when I'm working at uh, my day job as a designer where it's like I have like a specific style in mind, but then when I try to find examples of it, <laughs> I can't find it. And so that's really helpful. I think it's a really, really powerful creative tool. Um, and the other thing I want to say is, and I said this before, but the big thing of AI art is it is highlighting a lot of the issues already present um, within the art world. So one of the big issues that has already been present is that um, there's a certain group of artists and designers who are very, who are valued very lowly and who don't get paid enough. And some of the problems around that is, you know, one, there's a lot of people out there that are doing it. So you have a lot of competition. Um, you also have competition from overseas. You know, there, there are companies where they outsource their design, you know, to another country where the cost of living may be a lot lower. And so they can pay them a lot lower wage. That's not right, <laughs> right? And so... Now what AI has done is it's basically taken a lot of these issues that we've already had for a long time and it's just making it more obvious and making it harder. And it is a little bit scary, I think, for people who are already struggling. I think you could say the same thing for people who 
whose jobs have already been overtaken by machines in a way, you know, like cashiers, <laughs> for example. And personally, I think a lot of this stems from the fact that we just live in a capitalistic world um, <laughs> where you have to have, you have to have some sort of skill or value or, you know, something to contribute to be able to live. And that's really unfortunate. And so as somebody who is in the very democratic, like leftist side of the world, I'm like, hey, maybe this is a great way to start talking about things like UBI or like other ways that we can, we can help people live <laughs> without necessarily having to rely on employment. Because I think that's an issue, not just in the art world, but in many different areas of, of, of our society right now. So um, I think also that the, the fine arts world, people are scared of that. Like the people are like, oh, this is the end of art. This is not the end of art. This is not the end of art at all. The fine arts world, they're, they're going to be interested in it, but it's not really going to change it because fine arts people are way more concerned not just of the, the output, but like who made it? Why did they make it? How did they make it? And so, yeah, there's going to be some galleries and whatnot that show off AI art because it's interesting, but it's not going to change the value of people who are painting or, or illustrating or, what, or sculpting or whatever it is. It's not going to change their value as an artist um, in the fine arts world specifically. I think a lot of what it will disrupt right now is what I personally, as a designer, was already just using regular stock imagery for. And things will change. Things will change. Um, but it's also one of those things where it's like, things have already been changing and things will change anyway. And it's actually really interesting talking to um, a lot of the people in the creative industry who have been in it for many years, who have a lot more experience than me, because regardless of which part of the industry they've been in, they'll have some story for you where they're like, oh yeah, I remember when Photoshop came onto the scene and people were freaking out about it because of this and this and this. Or like, for example, if you, um, have, have you ever read about um, matte painters for movies? St let's take Star Wars as an example. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh no, here we go. <laughs> so um, how they did their special effects, they would basically, they'd, they would take a giant glass pane and put it over top of like uh, the movie film frame. Um, I, I don't know if they projected it or not. They'd have to because it was huge. And then they'd take this giant glass frame and they'd put it over top of it and they would literally paint the thing they're trying to paint. So in Star Wars, you know, the iconic scene where R2-D2 and uh, what's, oh my God, don't come for me, C-3PO. <laughs> Or, you know, they're, they're like in the desert and they see um, machine, the, the... The sand crawler. <laughs> you see that over the hill in the desert, right? Yeah. That was literally painted on to a piece of glass, you know? Now, that doesn't happen at all. You know what I mean? Like, that entire industry got obliterated because of digital effects and CGI that came onto the scene. And so this is going to be like that. It's going to change some things in the sense of some people are whose jobs they're doing right now might be less relevant, but that's okay in the longer, bigger picture of things because that's just how, that's, that's how things happen. And from how I see it, I think it's going to open up an entirely new world of create, creativity and just ent entirely new things to make. Um, and it's going to be guided by humans. You know, e even though it's AI and you're like, oh, the machine's making it. No, it, at the end of the day, it's still humans that are making it and guiding it, you know? <laughs> and, it's, and it's taking our visions and, and making it real. It's just a different way that it's doing it. If you can prompt right. I've seen the nightmares where it's not prompted correctly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it, it takes some practice, too, to get it right. That's true.
This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I mean, it is interesting. Uh, We've been doing a lot of technology episodes lately, and essentially the takeaway is like there's pros and cons there's bias involved because humans are involved and you can't remove technology from the society that we are and the people who created it and the people who use it um but i it is also true that yeah i've been working kind of in this industry for 10 years and there were there have been panics like if google changes the algorithm our whole office would shut down and it's like oh my god <laughs> We're ruined. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I don't think I get it because I remember sitting in the office and thinking like, oh, I'm fired. Um, Well, Google changed this one thing and my whole job is gone. What will I do? (laughs) So I like get the fear of it, but it is true that, you know, we adapted and we changed and I still have a job. It's not the same job, but I do still have a related (laughs) job. (laughs) I mean, and you already see this in a lot of different, like in the fashion industry right now, we're starting to see a rise in people valuing handmade stuff, you know, handmade pottery and whatnot, um, sustainable stuff, you know? And I, I think in that sense, actually, really nice handmade stuff will be valued even more because we'll be so bombarded by everything else that people... Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're never going to not value the stuff that people make of their own hands. You know, that's not going to change. So I'm not too worried. I'm actually really excited. Um, I think a lot about, do you guys know Stardew Valley? Yeah. All these things that I don't know. I'm so old. Keep going, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really cute and very popular game based off of the Harvest Moon games, which are um, the OG farming simulators. Um <laughs> Uh, but this, the guy who made Stardew Valley, he, he was the only person that made it. He spent 10 years making it, you know, writing the code, um, making all the art. And I, and I remember reading about it once and it was like, he changed all the art like two or three times at a certain point. Like I said, it grew and evolved and it's such a, it's, it's won so many awards and it's such a loved piece of media and, you know, it just really makes me think of that because I'm like, okay, now everybody has 10 years to dedicate <laughs> to making like a big project like this. But now with AI, you know, and especially once it evolves to something a lot um, stronger and more usable, imagine if like anybody, you know, they could do what this guy did in 10 years, they could do it in a couple months, you know? And imagine the amount of new stories, the amount of new media, 
the amount of niche stuff too, because if you're a big uh, movie production place, you know, you, you have to, you're, you're spending like millions of dollars on making a movie. You, you have to make, you know, something kind of generic, um, something that everybody will like, because you're, you know, you, you have to like stick to certain formulas, you know, because you don't want to lose money, blah, blah. Imagine a world where it won't take millions of dollars to make movies. And so imagine like you or me, you know, or your kids or niece, niece, nephew, whatever, right? Imagine you or me like being able to like make our own movies about whatever we want and how powerful and empowering that can be, you know? And also awful, actually, now that I think about it, but (laughs) 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 art is magical. Um, Being able to create is magical. Um, It's gotten me through some of the hardest parts of my life. Um, Try not to actually cry. Uh, But when my dad died, (laughs) that was, that was, I was 23. Uh, My sister and brother, my, my sister was 15. My brother was 14. So it was just a whole thing. And a week after he had died, I, I sat myself down and I forced myself to create because I knew he'd want me to do that. And that was so healing because it was something that I could hold on to, you know, through my grief. And I have talked to so many people who have had similar stories. I've, I've talked to, there was one woman who she lost her son And she was like, I was barely living. I was just surviving. And somebody introduced me to Midjourney and I've been able to work through this grief and not only do that, but also just make fun stuff. And, you know, and, or people who, um, like one person, he, he was telling me how he used to be able to play guitar and, he he uh he got an injury in his hands so he can't move his hands right he can type but he he can't he can't even learn to draw if he wanted to and so he, he was just cut off from being able to create in these capacities and now it's like now he has the ability and i think that's so powerful um i know a lot of people who um they're disabled and like they're like stuck in bed all day or they just they just aren't able to like go out and do the things they want to do and they've told me personally you know being able to do this is like brought so much meaning and like so you know so much magic to their lives and like that to me is so impactful and so meaningful because i understand i understand that magic i've been there myself and I'm just like, I'm just so happy and so um, so honored that I get to be a part of something that is opening up that magic to people who have never experienced it before. Um, I think that's really wonderful. So yeah, you make a great point. I I think this is uh, definitely a conversation about accessibility as well. That for people who were not able to create and had images or, or thoughts or things that they wanted to do that were never able to do so, or thought they couldn't do so, this could be a conversation about it. Did open up uh, to those to have an accessible outlet to do this. So it is is an interesting um, point of view too. And not just people who are disabled, but like, I mean. You know, if all the nepotism stuff being talked about recently, you know, it's like yeah. even just getting into the art world can be very daunting and expensive. You know, art colleges are super expensive. I would know I went to one, but I also mm. knew people who weren't able to go because they would have never been able to afford it. And so I think about it in that sense too, like just the amount of people who may never have had access to this world it's now become even more easy. And I think that's a good thing. There's so many things we could talk about. There's so many intersections here, and I feel like we touch on a lot of them. Um, so thank you for for coming on and and discussing it with us, because uh, I'm, I'm a newbie, so I learned a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there uh, anything, any resources you want to shout out, anywhere people can go to find you or learn more? So um, you can find me on Discord if you want. I'm, I set myself as offline a lot because I get a lot of spam otherwise, but 
Sometimes you might catch me on the sideboard of all the lists of people. Um, I should be in the moderators column. I'm Fnuckle, Community Liaison Witch. Um, I'm also Fnuckle on Instagram. Um, you can message me through there. I will see it. And I guess you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you want, but I might not see it as quick. So <laughs> I don't know. I think you're the first person to use LinkedIn. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's like actually like a really solid AI community on LinkedIn. And the other thing is um, I might not be able to help everybody. Like if you message me and you, I might not be online or I might not, because I do a lot of stuff. I'm very busy. But like <laughs> I might not be able to help you personally. But we have um, the trial support and the member support channels and the guides are there to help you. Um, and we also have the prompt chat channel, which is a lot more specific to helping prompt stuff, but they're great. And then also the Facebook, I think, is a really great place to ask questions too, because we have a lot of really cool community members there. So, yeah. Options galore. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Be hearing from us, I guess. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you again for joining us. Uh, listeners, if you'd like to contact us, you can. Our email is stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Momstuff Podcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I'm Never Told You. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'm Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. 